BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of Greenrope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Fastock, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Hey, I know that you love our website, highlevelwisdom.com. I know that you're listening to us on podcasts, whether you're on an Android device and or an iOS device. But did you also know we're on YouTube? Yes, we're on YouTube now. We have even extra content, even more content, different things that we'll discuss, new ideas, new thoughts, new patterns. We'll be doing book reviews. I'll be giving you some perspectives on different things that I see in different markets. More importantly, it's another place for you to be able to engage and share some content. Go to youtube.com right now, look up High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders, and subscribe. Hit that little bell next to the subscription button so that that way, hey, you know every time we post new content. I look forward to seeing you there and your comments. Hey, now it's not every day that you can ensure your marketing and technology or technology and marketing are all on the same page to get your product or service out there. Well, listen, I want to help you in 2018. Okay. So what I want you to do is visit serendipityinteractive.com. That's serendipityinteractive.com. And let the folks at Serendipity help you make the fortunate discoveries today that can help you be better and more profitable tomorrow. Won't you visit serendipityinteractive.com and tell them Chris sent you for your opportunity to learn how the fortunate discoveries in your business can bring together success for everyone. Now, let's listen to this week's episode. Hey, guys and gals, thank you so much for listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. I am your host, Chris Williams. Today is another great day for you. I hope whatever it is that you're doing, you're definitely doing at a high level. And I know you're starting right because you're listening to this show. So this is part two of my interview with Kelly Kohler, who is the CEO of a company who has been running for more than 25 years in art and design. Kohler Design Incorporated. Now, listen, the first half, if you did not get an opportunity to listen to that, don't fret. You can go back to the last episode and hear uh, more about her, who she is, what she brings to the table and her perspective about her team. Now, in this interview, the second part, it gets really, really good. Um, I think one of the things that uh, I'm very uh, mindful of is we talk to different CEOs all over the places, you know what they bring that's a little unique. 
and Kelly has it. I mean, I want you guys to really take a time to listen to uh, how her perspective, how she sees her team. And more importantly, what is the future of design? I mean, I thought I saw it all in 2017 and you'll be fascinated by some of the things that she does, some of her insights and more importantly, where she wants to go. And we had a really great conversation around how she looks at succession planning, how she's looking at getting into the next phase of where she's going. I think it's an awesome conversation. So I'm going to stop talking. You go and listen. This is part two of my interview with Kelly Kohler, the CEO of Kohler Design Inc. Take a listen. Yeah. You know, um, I find that the more uh, I do, I, I'm a little different. So um, <laughs> I, I will say um, one of the things that has made a, a winner for me when it comes to the different generations and in, in, that I deal with is um, I, I always go back to what originally is most comfortable for most people. So when I'm dealing with anybody 45 and above, mm-hmm. I will typically, I, and I'm a Southerner, so I'm yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. <laughs> I don't text older people. I actually pick up the phone and call them or I send them an email right. and I say, hey, and especially anybody that is probably um, above 50, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I will ask for a meeting because yeah. I know that the value they place is in face-to-face communication. That's correct. They don't want to walk out of a meeting and then all of a sudden, 30 minutes later, get a text. Hey, did you finish that thing that we just finished in a meeting? They're like, no, I didn't. Because I'm going to, I have times that I execute, right? That's something that I've even learned with CEOs. Um, CEOs execute at different hours than average people. So, So during the day, CEO like yourself, you're in meetings, you have things going on. That's not probably the best time to execute. It's probably very early in the morning or in the evening when there's not a lot of hustle and bustle of different things going on. And so I've even learned with CEOs, there's just a different way of communicating. Um, And so to your point, I've, I've, I've always defaulted to that. Now it's, it's done me very well, I will say, but in certain settings, there are some people who have said, don't call me, ma'am. You know, (laughs) there are certain settings where some people do say, Hey, uh, you know, Hey, text me. And I'm like, you sure? Uh, you know, (laughs) cause I, I mean, there's there's so many, I mean, you bring up a really valid point that I think today's modern world, basically there are no rules anymore. And so now it's all individual preference. Sure. So how does that CEO want to be communicated with? Mm -hmm. Once you can get their communication style, then you can create a rhythm and then you can build a relationship around that. That's right. So if they prefer the face-to-face, then you know you're going to see them face-to-face. My board chair is the exact same. He's you know a senior senior executive leader, run multi-million you know dollar corporations. He only wants face-to-face meetings with me. We (laughs) we never do a phone call. We never do Skype. Even if I'm even if I'm you know in in the Philippines, (laughs) I do not have I do not have a Skype chat with him. Absolutely. But, you know, so you're, you're correct. I think really it's about understanding how that person, what their preferences are. Yeah. And then focusing on building that relationship that way. Absolutely. So, so when you talk about those relationships, I'm interested in what type of tips or advice would you give a millennial who's looking to build a better relationship with their baby boomer uh, manager or executive? What, what, what types of things would you tell a millennial in order to be able to, to garner that type of relationship if they're seeking to to continue to move forward in their career? I think that 
the biggest opportunity they have is to is to actually build a relationship mm-hmm. with their coworkers that are of a different generation. So ask them out to lunch. Learn about their career. Learn about where they've been. Learn about what their journey is. Learn about what's different. Some of the same questions you're asking me here today. What's changed in the last 10 years for you? What it, what's been a challenge for you? What are you seeing in the future as the industry changes? Where are you seeing the next nexus? I think everything starts with a conversation and it's always back again to about building relationship, no matter what age. Absolutely. So I think that's the most fun. And um, it's been really interesting here. We started a, um, you know, we have an Instagram page and some social media things in our, in our marketing of our firm. And we've put the millennials and our student co-ops in charge of that. So every, every semester we have a new student that's here, that's coming in new, fresh, fresh thinking, beginner's mind. And it's so great to see them go around and connect with all of the different team levels that we have here. And it's really their job to kind of conduct interviews and ask them, hey, I'm doing the, the Facebook post this week. Or I'm doing an Instagram post this week. Would you like me to do an employee takeover with you on this you know, project that you're doing up in Dublin, Ohio, or whatever it might be? So I think it's really interesting if you give people opportunities, especially as the CEO, Try to create those learning moments. I literally try to plant these reverse mentoring opportunities to have people create the relationships. Wow. Because I think once you create those opportunities, the relationships happen all on their own. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that's, that's, that's really, really good. So um, what are, going back to millennials, what are some of those things that you notice are an added benefit? to them now being in the space of design and mm-hmm. how are they bringing new maybe best practices right. into, into the world of design and what you've even seen uh, in, in your workplace? What, what are some things that millennials are now bringing that is really an added benefit to, to, to the industry and what you do? So the biggest thing that's happening is, you know, the blurring of the lines of the disciplines. I think technology is enabling a lot of us as creative practitioners. You know, you see that with iMovie and and iTunes. People can become their own musicians. People can become their own movie makers. You can manage your own social media. You know, you can manage your own website. And so I think this individualism and this ability to create and co-create and innovate through technology is now part of everyone's DNA. I mean, that's the that's really the gift that Steve Jobs gave us is that through play and through technology, we can really learn a whole new way to communicate. And I think we're seeing this a lot in our field as well. That's why here in some ways, you know, you might go and get a degree in interior design or you might go get a degree in architecture or in graphic design. But when you come here, we kind of jam together like a band. So it's okay here to come with one degree and when you leave here, you've gone through a whole different learning process and a learning agility process that now you're just part of a co-creative team. Awesome. And what I'm seeing with the millennials is, you know, for most, for the most part, they only know, you know, the world since the iPhone already existed, hmm. right? They're, what, they're, they're 25 years old. The iPhone's been out 10 years. You know, they were 15 or 12 when they grew up on that with that technology piece. So they only know one way, which right. is where everything is open open source, open communication. That's very true. That's a good point. The internet. So when they come here, they're so different. Their minds and are And they wavering. expect your place to be open as well. That's a very good point. They do. So they only know one way. So I love having uh, millennials in our team because I think that they think openly. I think they're not afraid. 
I think they'll immediately, if they have a question, they try Google. I mean, they immediately try to find the answer. And I think that they always have open questions. And I love that they use technology to, as a tool to really try to find the answer. Interesting. So I want to dive back into your company a bit. So you've been on this journey for 30 years and, and, and now you're in this, in this new space of, uh, building out the company, as you mentioned, now you're kind of in this documentation phase and, and just you as an individual, you're no longer in every single meeting, right? You know, you're, you're, you're really giving people, you know, that autonomy to, to work in those spaces, right? Absolutely. So that means that you've had to get really good at the art of delegation. <laughs> um, how, what's that journey been like to start really delegating some of those responsibilities and some of the, I would almost even say maybe some decision-making um, for your company. How, how has that been for you as a CEO and what, what have been some of your personal learnings in that? So I think, you know, as you start to look at growing the firm, you know, beyond you as a solopreneur, it's so important that you start to put the foundation in place that people can be successful here. And I think, especially with the millennial generation, the reason why a lot of times they leave one job over another, it's not because, you know, they're just looking for another job. It's because they've already either learned and they're kind of capped out and they already feel like they've already reached what they can learn at that company and they're blocked. Or they actually are leaving because they're seeking a completely new experience. Uh, And I think in our firm as a creative company, we always have a wealth of new creative experiences. And I think we can start to choose our clients in the strategic direction of our company and where we want to go. And I think putting the infrastructure in place in your company to allow for growth um, agility, that learning agility piece that we talked about, as well as really finding the kind of work that makes a difference and, you know, fits and resonates with their soul. So our company is really focused at the intersection of people in place and creating transformative experiences. So no matter what kind of an environment that is, we really believe that design can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so all of the projects that we choose, all of the clients that we have, you know, We really are working with those clients because we believe in who they are and we want to use our creative talents to help push the envelope or take them to the next level or help them create who they want to be to the next level. So I think finding meaningful work for people um, is really, really critical, especially in a a design firm. Um, And I think finding the right kind of clients that are going to continue to inspire. And then I think also giving people that ability to grow within their role, um, not just vertically, but also add depth. So in our firm, I mentioned about putting in the foundation. And I think it's really important when you come here, say, as a young designer, you may have had some experiences prior. You may have done worked on one academic campus or maybe you've worked on two or three and you've already done a lot of higher education work. And you've created maybe an innovation district or, you know, you understand a little bit about a campus environment. Mm-hmm. But here in our firm, because we have so much broad depth in the sectors that we serve, we want to grow your expertise across sector. So you're going to learn about healthcare campus, you're going to learn about an academic campus, you're going to learn about a corporate campus, you're going to learn about a civic campus or a downtown campus. So we can not only grow you vertically, but we can grow your depth at your bench. Interesting. And I think that's maybe one of the differences that 
in our firm that we realize now how critical the personal development plans are for our people to feel successful, that they can see their path. They're all asking me right now, um, you know, what are we going to be working on in three years? Where am I going to be? <laughs> you know, what, what kind of projects am I going to work on? And literally, we can kind of paint the path for them. Wow. Give them the scaffolding. People want to know where they're going. That's right. That's right. So you have to give them scaffolding to get there. Wow. Powerful. Interesting. So, you know, I'm going to shift gears here on you. Please. I've got a, I've got a very interesting question. So I, I've been asking every CEO this because um, I think in the world of leadership today, uh, we don't, it, it's almost a taboo conversation. And I, I, I've been wanting to, and I've been getting some fascinating answers from people. So I'm going to ask you today. Was there ever a time in your company where something got muffed, something didn't go right, and you knew, uh-oh, I'm going to have to eat this one, or I'm going to have to go out here and apologize to everybody in the company. Mm. And, 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 that, and when you realize that moment, you realize I, I either have to hit a home run or I'm going to hit a foul ball, right? Mm-hmm. What are you? What What is the process of you've gone through when you know I've got to go and apologize to my employees for something that went wrong? And and it might not necessarily have been your mm-hmm. thing that you did, but again, you're the leader. You're, yeah, the so company. You're you're the face. So yeah. in in some respects, as a CEO, you don't get a choice. <laughs> um, so talk to me about what that's been like, and how how do you apologize? What 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 is it like to be a CEO and have to stand there and tell hundreds of people along with hundreds of clients, hey, we missed this one. And mm-hmm. and, and how, how do you normally approach apologizing as a CEO? Well, I think you, you have to be always completely transparent. And if the company made a mistake, whether it's with a client um, or your leadership team made a mistake or your team made a mistake, you've got to go right away um, to the client and apologize for the misstep and then talk to them about the path to improvement. So I'm big on if we made a mistake, we're going to course correct it. We're going to come back. We're going to improve. Thank you for this learning opportunity. We're going to take this in and we're going to change our internal process and we're going to do this differently in the future Um, and and talk to the client about how much integrity you have that you want to course correct and no matter what it's going to take that you're going to make it right. I just recently had a big job. We had an engineering failure on a project where we had hired an engineer as a sub to us and the client completely rejected all the engineering. Oh wow. And I had to I had to write a huge check. I had to hire another engineering firm. Wow. Yeah. It was tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. And you know, but what do you do, right? You're not, you know, you can't let the client down. We thought we had the right partner. My project manager thought it was the right partner too. We didn't even really know mm-hmm. how bad it was because it was kind of an adjacent field to us. Sure. But once we once it was very, very clear that our partner was failing, then that in turn meant the company was failing. Sure. We were the prime. I had no choice. You gotta step up. Wow. So you just gotta step up. Now on the so that's externally, I always believe in, you know, owning what you've done, what you've learned, where you're gonna go and how you're gonna course correct. Mm-hmm. I think clients are very forgiving. And I think obviously you just have to write the check and keep going. Right. I'm just a big believer in take the high road and just course correct. Discount the work, 
or do whatever you have to do to fix it, like I did in that particular case, that engineering solution. Now, internally, recently, I had a pretty big mistake on behalf of the company, and I had to apologize to about six people in the firm. And what it was is that I had a manager, this is prior to our current structure with our COO that I mentioned earlier, our learning agility model, but we were, in the old model, we had a little bit more of that hierarchical system. Sure. And I had a senior level manager that was overseeing um, six people. So they were, you know, they were a manager, senior level manager. They were managing six people for their personal development plans and their their goals inside the business. And I really was just 100% trusting in the old model, um, this management team to be kind of managing the people underneath them. Sure. And so. Anyway, in the redesign of the organization, we recognized that we no longer needed that structure, so we made some changes. And in the process of making those changes, I went into the personnel files just to check on people's, you know, personal plans. And the plans were not were not up to date. Mm. And there was a lot of missing paperwork. Mm. And so I felt really bad that I had never really checked um, whether this work was being done or not. And it wasn't being done recorded properly for sure and so i went to each of those individual people and met with them and sat down with them and just said you know i'm sorry on behalf of the company i'm apologizing to you that we kind of failed we don't have the proper we don't have your inputs we don't have your proper documentation and you know i'm really sorry that you know i as the owner of the firm didn't realize this wasn't being being really properly handled and so i just flat out apologized and they, you know, in some cases they said, oh, you know, I hadn't really, I hadn't really noticed or, you know, I hadn't really done, you know, I hadn't really done my piece of that plan either. And so some of it was fine, but it was just really, really important that I owned that we had a mistake and we had a gap in the wow. business. Wow. And I can imagine that when the, the mistake is internal, right, yeah. um, there's different levels to the impact. Right. Um, I, 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 I did an article about this, you know, very thing, because I, I think one of one of the things that is, is just always interesting to me is how people handle those internal muffs, mm-hmm. um, because they speak not only to uh, the ability to pivot, you know, the, the character of the leadership team and or how things get handled. But I think a lot of people forget that if something happened up in the ivory tower, it's mm-hmm. going to sound like an earthquake further down in the business. And so you can't forget about the people further down in the business because right. they're the ones that are mostly impacted by right. whatever happened. Um, it, it doesn't just stop at, oh, well, it was just us as a management team. Well, no, because now everybody knows. And the first That's thing right. they're wondering is, well, can I trust this? now right and exactly no, and now nobody's come to me in you know how long right, right. so I, I, that's I, why <laughs> it was so it was so critical that i actually apologized uh, that's awesome that's awesome because that um, awesome. i think that that restored the integrity and i just identified that it was a gap and absolutely that i'm a lot smarter now obviously um as the ceo and that i'm putting a different system in place today you know, this is now a year ago that I'm putting, you know, we have a different system in place today that something like that will never happen again because we have so many checks and balances now that it's just awesome that now people are part of co-creating and people are connected together and there's multiple touches. And so that just now the whole system we have is completely 
you know, better, That's which is correct. good. So you've been at this now for uh, longer than some people have been born. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I'm interested in understanding what has been the hardest lesson that you've had in, in trying to scale this business? Uh, that I didn't have the right systems in place. Okay. I thought I could just grow the business by growing sales, but I realized every $500,000, I have to change my operating system wow. and infrastructure. <laughs> so, you know, as you go from 1 million to 2 million to 3 million, and then, you know, in the future to 5 million, et cetera, um, you know, things change and the systems change and you have to be ready for those changes and you have to be able to anticipate those changes. It's like, oh, you know what? That system's not going to work anymore. Now we need to, we need to change it. We need to tweak this a little bit or, you know, investing in new, um, you know, technologies, you know, putting in a new ERP system, you know, things like that. Those are some pretty major readiness, important things for you to decide at the right time, in the right way, with the right people on the right team, and quite honestly, the right consultants. Sure. You cannot grow a small business um, to the next level, to a legacy firm, without having an enormous amount of expertise with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel now today that I realize it's so much more about building the future and the sustainability for my next generation leaders. Mm-hmm. Every decision I make today is for them. Oh, Every wow. decision I make today is about putting in infrastructure and advancement so that the company can last beyond me. Every hire, every team, every system, everything is an investment in the future for the business. And I think that's probably maybe the one thing that I probably don't say enough to my team. Hmm. I need to let them know that that's why we're doing it. And I think that finding your why piece and then how you live that in your business is a really important piece as well. Interesting. It's got to be about your dreams. Wow. So, you know, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about the, the difference. There's a, there's a big difference saying I'm going to scale my business, but everybody's coming to this one locale in this part of the country Mm -hmm. versus I'm scaling my business and we're scaling and having a ton of remote employees. What have been the learnings on that end? Um, Cause I find the, the, the life and the, the, the work and the expectations and what the environment is for the remote employee is different than the one that goes into an office uh, every single day. What, how has that impacted the work that you do and how you, um, how you go about maybe even your hiring processes or what you look for when you're saying, Hey, we're going to hire somebody over in Boston and we're going to have somebody in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have two remote employees um, right now. We actually in the last few years spent so much on hotels by flying them in or bringing them in to work, you know, in jam sessions or in creative brainstorming, et cetera, that I finally decided just to buy a corporate apartment because um, we found that we really needed to be able to have a place and a touch base for people to come from wherever they are because we're in the talent business. Really, really important that you keep the best talent on your team. Um, I had an office in Germany for six years and I had a joint venture in Asia um, as well in the in the past 10 years when we are servicing clients in those markets. Mm-hmm. And it is really important that you leverage technology, that you create those, you know, those opportunities for the culture to build, that they feel that they have a place to come to when they come back here. And that's the reason why I bought the corporate department, because it's so important that people feel 
that they have a place that they belong. Um, so whether you're working remotely from home and you're on Skype like we are today, or you know you're working on the other side of the world and you're you know teleporting in and sending your files back and forth, it's really really important that you spend time face to face and that you have quality time as well, because otherwise it might as well just be a freelancer and you know have someone that's not really a part of your company. Which we have tons of freelance talent as well that we work with that are almost full time freelancers that right. never come to our office except for at our holiday party <laughs> <laughs> and you know yes. that's becoming um the the new uh i would say employee the gig economy they are not necessarily just tied to a company but they're tied to a type of skill and work how has that impacted what happens in the world of design industry having these freelancers who are almost at the ready that you can literally just kind of go and go, Oh, that one. Yep. I want that one right now. They're going to help us with this project to kind of get us over the hump. How, what's that been like to be able to leverage that, um, you know, inside of, of your business and even be able to pull some of that creativity from that area. So I think the, you know, the freelance economy, like you said, is, is so much a part of the future today. Everyone is seeking that freedom. And so a lot of people are choosing to work, um, autonomously or independently as, as independent contractors. What I find is that if you have a really good system of how you deliver what you do, which we do, we have a, we have a very clear process and methodology, we can almost seek the different types of talent that we want to kind of plug into it, but we still have to have the strong leadership, as I mentioned, the captains Absolutely. of the Agile model. We still have to hold that infrastructure, that knowledge, that client leadership, that client connection, the creative brief, so to speak. They'll have to have that level of thinking in-house because that is our secret sauce, right? Absolutely. Yep. But we can definitely, we can use a lot of freelance talent. We can use people on the other side of the world, you know, at a much better cost, especially with our um, modeling and our Revit modeling, and our VR and AR capability. So we have some great relationships with some really strong partners in India as well as in the Philippines that we leverage. And they're on the other side of the world 12 hours. So <laughs> we can send a design out one night and we come back the next day and voila, it's already rendered and models. Right. Um, so I found that the global economy has really helped us actually to be able to deliver smart with excellence and be able to really take advantage of that talent, that talent pool that you mentioned that's out there. Absolutely. Good deal. Well, he, here's um, uh, one one final question that I have for you today. Um, I, I'm interested in what you can share with uh, a CEO who's, you know, their version of Kelly and the band right now, or they're kind of in the middle of growing and they want to, mm -hmm. they want to, they're ready to scale, right? Um, what advice would you give them before they think about truly scaling their business? I think, boy, that's a really good question. I think the biggest advice, the best advice that I could give to them is to be patient. Mm. I think that if they're like me and they've been an entrepreneur, we move pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> and we're very impatient. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, we're used to, you know, living five years in the future at all times. In Amen. Our <laughs> and so I have to recognize to meet people where they are and what's realistic. So I think surrounding yourself with people that are good yings to your yang and can help you understand 
when you're so far in the future, what are the boots on the ground? Where are we really today? And what can we really do to translate things forward? So I think being patient, so learn patience, which I'm still learning myself, by the way. So I'm really speaking to myself. And then I think really surrounding yourself with the right team that knows how to support you um, and the firm and the company and the team to be able to get the best results. I said I only had the one last question and I lied. So <laughs> Cola Design, I think, is interesting. I, I love what I saw from your, your website. I love what you all are creating. Uh, the Thank campus you. that you all have done are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, the amount of I think I'm more fascinated by the level of detail and intricacy of things that I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that I could, you guys could probably feed me with a fire hose on all day about why you guys might've chosen this versus this. Right. Right. Tell me about the future of design. What, what does it look like? Tell me about 10 or 15 years from now. What, what, what's happening in the world of design and how is Kelo, how, how is Kohler design actually bringing that to, to the world? So I think the future of design is really merging. I think the field is transforming super fast. I mean, just think about, you know, today in a fourth grader's box that they might check, what do you want to be when you grow up? The word advertising executive is still probably there. I think the word advertising is going to go away. I don't think the field of advertising is going to be around. Interesting. It's all omni-channel marketing. So what's the next nexus? So through technology, through things like this podcast, through the social networks, through the growth and the advent of, of the social framework that exists in the world today, I think we're going to see whole new fields emerge in the communication area. And I think design is going to continue to be problem solving and finding new and better ways to create better, better and better communication. I think in the field of architecture, and in um, you know space design, architecture, interior um, design, I think we're going to see a big change as well. I think we're going to continue to see the use of modeling um, be continued to be changing the way that we build. I think construction industry is going to innovate as well because now you can completely can do a design a building and actually do the construction documents and the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing all through a combined digital platform which is amazing to even say but it's true <laughs> right so you know just in the days where we were still teaching drafting right, right. Then, my, then my career of 25 years right and then AutoCAD. CAD. <laughs> AutoCAD, yeah. that's even out now that's already out we don't even teach that in school anymore so i mean just already just within the last 10 years the amount of of, of information modeling and building information modeling in the industry and the way that we're actually constructing and building yeah I think is really, really changing. And I think we're going to continue to see that evolve. And I think we're going to continue to see innovation in those areas. You know, in talking to you today, I, what's going through my mind are like, you know, uh, the, the new uh, spaceship campus for <laughs> Apple and, you know, yeah, some of these, exactly. some of these structures that get built that are like yeah. how, like some that was in somebody's mind and they were literally able to put it on a tablet and show it to a bunch of people and I then know. turn around and get the funding and then say, yep, now we're going to go build it. And then the, the, I would even say the technology and the materials. I, th- I think that's yes. one thing I'm, so I'm a geek about some of this stuff, but I think it's interesting that it's not just so much the technology that can show you what you're trying to create. That is very, very fascinating nowadays, but the technology has also uh, crept into the materials. Yeah. And so now we have a lighter, 
more flexible, more inexpensive materials that we can create things almost at, you know, half the cost or 20% of the cost versus what it used to cost you to make, you know, some of these different things. I mean, even look at cars nowadays, you know. Right. Um, so I, I think your world is just a fascinating place. And, and I've never thought about the fact that it will, it's omni-channel. It's, it's no longer no. I want to be in advertising, you know, ad and create my own agency. Well, actually, you'll do more than that if you're <laughs> if you're smart, right? I think I think people are going to demand more and more responsiveness in their oh, environments. Wow. Absolutely, either through their you know the wearable technology, you know, like you and I today, um, that how we're communicating, and I think people are going to expect a lot more from their environments. And I think that whether that's in building materials, like you said, or technology or smart cities and the, and the transportation of the future. But I really, really see the underpinning of that about creating more responsive environments for people. Absolutely. Well, Kelly, listen, this has been fascinating to me. I could talk to you for another three hours um, <laughs> uh, and deep dive into some of these thank things. You, but Chris. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for sharing your high-level wisdom with our new generation leaders. Thank you for talking to the executives that listen to this show. And more importantly, thank you for being an executive who's cared over the last 25 plus years. I don't think that CEOs get enough credit for being leaders who's not only just cared about uh you know, making sure that the bottom line is met, but you've had to care about people over the last 25 years. You've had to care about your clients. You've had to care about your designs. You've had to care for so long. And so thank you for just being a leader who's um, shown that uh, the, the the right consistent amount of effort and enough failures, um, you, can, you can learn a lot because I'm sure you, you know more than, than, than many, right? So just thank you so much. Thank you for your time today on the show. Thanks so much, Chris. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.